Hello and welcome. Thanks everyone for joining me today. Got a special guest here, a long friend, but also an expert that I uh, like to talk to on a regular basis. And he always has a good perspective. So I wanted to bring him on as a guest here on the podcast and the recording to share what he's observing. And and Troy, I'm going to kind of mess this up a little bit, but you're a fertilizer expert. You work a lot in logistics. So you're out there literally trying to get fertilizer moved towards the farmer. So I'll let you handle the introduction here about your title and your organization. Okay. But sure. I, I think of you as a fertilizer guru, at least my fertilizer <laughs> guru. <laughs> oh boy, if you've got a limited number of friends that deal in fertilizer, then maybe I am a guru. But there's certainly people who know a lot more about fertilizer than I am. But I'm learning and, and I enjoy it and I do live in it every day. So um, I'll take that. Uh, yeah, Troy Walker, Director of Retail Crop Nutrients for Mid-Kansas Cooperative and uh, Midwest Fertilizer. We service, um, you know, a lot of the counties in Kansas, as well as a little bit in Missouri and Oklahoma. So uh, we do touch a lot of fertilizer. And it, yeah, it's been an interesting year for that. So Troy, we were talking before we got online. And I think one of the things that frustrates me is as an economist, when I hear people talking about shortages or issues, and I'll give a little story, right? Um, my father was, you know, wanting to get these particular tires for his vehicle and couldn't access them, right? Well, is that a tire shortage or was it just couldn't find the tire that he wanted at that particular day uh, of that particular, you know, uh, location? So I think about, you know, when we talk about shortages, especially for fertilizer, it's, you know, what product are we talking about? What is the time frame, both the date and the duration, but then also the geographic uh, issue. And so what we commonly see is I called the local place, couldn't get this product. We're not going to have enough fertilizer to plant the U.S. corn crop. That's sort of how that narrative happens. So I, I want to hear your thoughts on both, you know, products and the timing and the geography. How does all that fit in with how you're looking at the fertilizer situation for today, but also rolling into 2022? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, David. I think you're really on to something. Um, you know, are we really going to be short product? Uh, again, I, as we talked about a little before, I think somewhat it depends on where you're at. You know, we're situated geographically very close to where a lot of the nitrogen fertilizers in particular are manufactured. So that maybe gives us a little bit different, uh, puts us in a slightly different situation than other people who uh, are reliant more on transportation to get the product because now they've got double issues. Uh, not only do they have any potential, you know, limited supply, uh, which we'll get into that. I think there may be some of that on specific products, but they've also got all of the transportation issues that compound the delivery of that supply. Um, so, I mean, to dive into it, I, you know, put my guru hat on there for a minute. Uh, I think UAN is the one I'm probably most concerned about actually having the supply. Um, you know, as I talk to peers around the country, I think a lot of them just have not been offered, have not, have not had the opportunity to purchase uh, the volume uh, that they normally do. So some of them may be sitting 25 to 30% below um, what they would historically use uh, in, in a given time period. Now, some of that, like I said, is, is the offer, um, but then you add in, there's some logistic challenges to getting it there. Um, you know, freight rates and, and rail, um, having lots of other things that they can haul right now, um, you know, railing UAN uh, across the country. Um, 
maybe it's not as high a priority as some of the other things, some of the containers and so forth. I'm not sure, but I do think there's a, you have a couple problems there on UAN. Um, there is some legitimate supply. Um, I guess we can go into how that happened if you want to, but there, I think supply on that. Now, urea, look, um, like I don't, I don't think urea is going to be quite the same problem. Is it going to be expensive when you get it? Yeah, I think it's going to be expensive when you get it. Um, there are some short, you know, immediate concerns while China remains out of the market uh, for supplying urea. And there's other people in the world who have high demand for urea right now, uh, India and, and Brazil being probably the two biggest right now, that would make the supply seem pretty short uh, or pretty tight compared to the demand. We're still a little ways out. Um, from, you know, when we're going to need some more tons. And I, I believe that those tons will either be manufactured uh, or will we'll make their way here, but we will undoubtedly pay for them because basic economics, right? You're the economist, uh, supply and demand. We've got really, really strong demand all over domestically and globally uh, and supply, particularly with China being out of the market with Russia kind of limiting or saying, hey, we're not going to export any more than we did last year. Egypt looking to not export any more than they did last year. Uh, it keeps the supply pretty tight relative to the demand. So thinking through that, you know, the product you're watching is UAN. It's got maybe some challenges with it. The time, then the you talked about geographies. Is there a specific geography that, that you're concerned about? You talked about the logistics and, you know, Kansas might have some advantages because it's closer to where the production is. Um, but is it as you get further away from ports and rely more on rails where you have longer transportation costs? Is that sort of what you're thinking about there is sort of geographic issues? Yeah, uh, yeah it is. Um, I've heard, uh, and we're here, but I've heard that rail moving east uh, is more challenged than rail moving to the west. I mean, I don't have you know a lot of firsthand experience with that, but my understanding from peers is that yeah, it does seem like moving east on the rail is a challenge. And there's a lot of corn growth in the east. You know, the other thing is if you're not going to move it on the rail. I mean, you can move it on on the water. Maybe that'll be all right. But uh, we move a lot on truck, and truck seems to be a problem too. I and mean, we really do believe. Um, that we have less trucks available for us to haul uh, this year uh, than we did last year. That's that's a problem. Um, when you you know you need the product, and I guess if there's fewer tons and there's fewer tons to haul, but you know if you're a trucker, uh, there's no shortage of work because there's plenty of tons to match the number of trucks that we have uh, in most situations. So. You know, when we hear about it's economists, forecasts tend to change behavior of humans, right? So this idea of we're not going to have fertilizer, we won't have toilet paper, it causes people to go buy toilet paper. Are people out buying fertilizer more now today or trying to get product on the field or trying to price it? Are you busier today than you would be in a normal November time frame? Yeah, uh, that's right, David. Um, we, there were a couple factors that added into this, you know, um, for you know, several months back now, people started talking about, hey, there's going to be supply challenges. Um, we're not nobody was really sure when those are going to happen. There'll be supply challenges to get get the product, um, and then there was some price differentials between the different forms of nitrogen, uh, UAN, urea, and anhydrous. Anhydrous lack per pound, the, the cost per pound of N for anhydrous lagged UAN and urea significantly for several months, honestly. And it's only been in the last eight weeks, I would say that it moved up. 
it's still about 20 cents cheaper um, for the most part than, than uh, UAN or Urea, even at the $1,200, $1,300 that it may be. Um, but being so cheap early on, that incentivized growers and anyone who had the opportunity, one, to move to anhydrous if they, you know, the last several years maybe done urea or something else, and they have the opportunity to, to go to anhydrous, they chose to do that because the price per unit was cheaper. The other thing that we saw is, you know, historically, maybe you only put 50% of your nitrogen on up front ahead of the crop, um, or maybe 80%. Well, now, again, concerned about supply and unknown you know, price as you moved in into the future in the Q1, we're seeing more growers put it all on up front. Um, understanding there may be some loss. I don't know that anybody's upping their rates. That would be possible. Nitrogen stabilizers certainly um, have been a, a benefit this year, but they're putting that anhydrous on 100% up front uh, and, and, and seeing, you know, we'll see what happens down the road. Um, so yeah, we have seen some shift in that. The other thing we've seen is um, growers taking possession, right? If you have any sort of on-farm storage, for us, it mostly relates to liquid. Uh, we've seen a lot more volume early that uh, would typically, we're in wheat country here, a lot of wheat. Typically, that application and movement of that product wouldn't happen until January or February. But with uh, pricing and not knowing Q1 pricing and not being super confident in the availability, people just said, hey, if I have space, I'll take it now. And so we've seen a lot more, or they're planning to take it yet this quarter. And profitability, right? There's strong profits out there. So producers are looking at 20, you know, their 2021 tax liabilities saying, hey, I could prepay this. Maybe in the past, I would have bought that next year. But if I am concerned about logistics and I do have some profits and I want to offset that or pre pull up some of those prepaid expenses, I can take advantage of that. I'm curious to have you elaborate. You mentioned this earlier, sort of the UAN situation. So could you walk through that a little bit? Because I know there's a lot of moving pieces there. And I think it's helpful for us just to break down one of those so we can start to think about how it's not just maybe one particular narrative. Yeah. So again, yeah, you're right. UAN is probably the one I've been most concerned about. I mean, legitimately not having it, not having it in the wrong spot, which, as you mentioned, but really having it. And that started back uh, last February. If anybody will recall, we had that, I don't remember what they call the Arctic blast or super freeze or whatever, um, where you saw all the issues down in Texas where they took the natural gas, natural gas prices ran up. Well, I'm not entirely sure what happened there, but in the course of that, whether they just shut down the plants because uh, of the cold weather or they shut down the plants because the natural gas went from making fertilizer to heating people's homes, one or the other. The, the story that we all need to know is there was at least two to three weeks there where we took, in my estimation, would be several hundred thousand tons of production out of the market, right? So that's the major event. Frankly, that's a, that's a black swan event that eh, maybe you could have seen it coming, but probably not. Um, as you move forward through the summer, we start, you know, we're trying to rebuild those inventories. And I mean, look, you can only make fertilizer so fast. Um, but you saw prices stay. The typical summer reset in pricing didn't didn't happen um, because we just nobody had the inventories to do that. So you saw it, and then you get to uh, what was it? Uh, late August, and we had Hurricane Ida happen. I, I, let me pause real quick. Back up. Before that, through the summer, you had CF come out and say um, with their countervailing suit, which stopped essentially stopped or, or 
really reduced the amount of uh, import tons of UAN from Russia and Trinidad. You know, and that, people think, well, we don't import that much. Mm, you know, we import probably a little more than you would think. And, and you, you, again, take more out compounded with the tons you took out with the Arctic blast. And then we move forward another month and you've got Hurricane Ida that happens. And Hurricane Ida took production offline for, again, another two to three weeks. So there's another couple hundred thousand tons that aren't in the market. So now you're at the point where we're getting, you know, we still have a little ways before we need it. You know, the bulk of demand, our, our geography is a little different. We'll use it on wheat, uh, top dressing wheat. But, you know, a lot of the demand's not until later, February, March, April. But again, you can only make so, you know, fertilizer so fast. Um, and so several issues that have compounded and again, we're not there yet. Uh, we've got the whole winter to go through and, you know, natural gas prices in Europe are through the roof, right? I mean, really high. And that's shut down a lot of their plants. And again, it hasn't gotten really cold yet. So a lot of things still to watch. If everything goes smoothly the rest of the year, you know, we'll probably come out okay. But again, I think it'll end up being really, really close. And like you mentioned, there's several events that have led us to this point. And UAN has been more popular in your, especially your trade territory, right? In the last decade, right? The trend has been towards more of this product, right? Yeah, I mean, for our geography specifically, uh, and, it, and it certainly can be different. Now, last year, UAN was at all-time low prices, uh, and so that really incentivized folks to move to UAN, growers to move to UAN over other forms of nitrogen. So when you look at last year versus this year, when I mean, you're looking at all-time low versus all-time high, so that exaggerates that chart. But yes, we have steadily been, in our geography, been moving more and more towards UAN, you know, whether it's ease of use or access to the equipment or, you know, it, you know, people, we've talked about this before, people always like to think, oh, we're going to change the form of nitrogen that we use, kind of like we're going to change our cropping rotation. Now, my bias is over time, those things happen, but not, there isn't a very large percentage of folks that are just going to immediately change over. I think this year may have been a little bit different in that if you had any ability to do anhydrous you're going to do it because it was so much cheaper. Um, but yes, there has been a shift, uh, which is making it all the more interesting to think about where we could be as far as supply and availability as we move forward. Because um, can you rely on your historical volume? Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know, um, but, but we will see. So what are some of the other issues you're, you want to share or you've been thinking about when it comes to fertilizer? Yeah, I mean, certainly one of the things we're looking at now is when does it turn over? When does it turn around? I, I, my salespeople tell me they talk to growers all the time and think, hey, we're, you know, we're there at the top. Or my perspective would be not quite that optimistic. Uh, I think we've got a little ways in this. Um, that being said, um, we continue to watch where the grain markets go because uh, as long as the grain remains strong, um, like it has here the last few days, uh, then the fertilizer market is more likely to stay, stay firm. Um, growers will, you know, the economics continue to work okay for them to apply fertilizer at these prices. We continue to watch for where the grower, at what point the grower will say, hey, that's enough, that's too much. And there certainly have been growers who've said that, um, but I think all, most growers, they end up going down and penciling it out, you know, the cost of cutting nitrogen out of your program is pretty high because it's a fairly direct relationship to your end yield. 
Uh, and so most growers, from what we've seen so far, have not opted um, to cut it. I mean, you really can't. That being said, at some point in time, I would think you would say enough. So we continue to watch for that because um, we know that the other side of this, this thing could be pretty hairy. I think um, I have to remind producers, the last time we saw fertilizer prices at, you know, really high levels, it was for three years, back to back, 11 12 and 13, that was three years of really high fertilizer prices. So if we get too aggressive in our fertilizer management defensive plan for 2022, it could limit our options down the road. And, and when you get really aggressive, you're kind of banking on, especially on the P and the K, which we haven't yeah. really talked about today. You're banking on the economic situation, fertilizer prices and crop budget situation being better in the future. And that isn't a guarantee, right? You would hate to be too defensive and actually have a worse situation down the road, but that's uh, good. You mentioned trucking a little bit. What's your observations on trucking? Yeah, so we are concerned. I mean, you hear about it all over, whether it's you know FedEx or Amazon trying to hire a million people to go drive all their stuff around, or you know not being able to you know get this or that across the country. You know, it's no different with fertilizer whether the, the trucking companies have found other things that they can haul more profitably. I think that's some of it. Um, or they've just gotten out of the business, you know, whether they were older folks and they retired and said, Hey, I'm not messing with it. I'm not dealing with it. Understandable. Um, but yes, trucks are seem to be much more difficult to find this year uh, than they have in, in years past. So that makes it difficult. We've already been sharing the message, I guess, with growers that um, as we probably won't be able to be as fast as we have in years past um, because we don't have as many trucks to move product. Um, and that's, an, you know, it's interesting. We talked about this before, I think, David, I mean, whether it's planting or harvesting, growers can do it so fast now um, because of the size of the equipment or the number of machines that they have. Um, it, it can be really challenging as a supplier um, to keep up with that particularly when that demand gets condensed into such a, a short period. It's not just the volume, but when, when you want all of it in, in a week or two weeks, that's really tough. And if it's, it's even tougher this year, we, we're concerned because, you know, we just won't have as many trucks to service the volume. So it's certainly something that we're trying to work with growers, set those expectations early on that, you know, things you may just have to take a little breath and, and be just a little bit slower if we can, because, you know, we're at the mercy of the trucks a little bit. Yeah. And so these operations are getting larger, but then you have to service all of them. And so like when you think about the supply chain, all these trucks have to work their way through the, the supply chain. And when the weather's good, everyone's out there. Right. And so uh, if you don't get a rain event to slow down. The trucks can't get caught up. Uh, so I promise to let you go after this question. I, this has been really helpful, really beneficial. Thank you. But uh, for your time, but um you know, I'm a Kansas farm kid. I think a lot about wheat. I think um, wheat is always an interesting crop, especially when it goes to the the, the corn and soy. I'm in, the, I'm in Indiana, right? So people don't like to talk about wheat in, in the corn belt, but I think it ha we have to remind folks that what happens on wheat on the margin has a direct impact on what happens in corn and soybean acres. So if we plant more wheat, it's going to limit the opportunities to expand corn and soybean production in 2022. Wheat has had some really favorable economic uh, conditions the last uh, several months. So curious, anything that you've observed or you've thought about when it comes to wheat, winter wheat acreage heading into 2022? 
I think wind or wheat uh, acreage sounds like it'll be as strong as it's been the last couple of years and, and maybe a little stronger because like you said, you know, prices are as good as ever. Um, you know, in this part of the world, um, people like planting wheat. Yeah, I mean, everybody for whatever reason just loves corn, um, but we're certainly in part of the world where corn's a little bit more on the margin or much more on the margin and wheat is, is a great crop. And when the economics are behind it, they'll do that. The other advantage that we have in our specific geography is the ability to double crop. So you can, you know, plant wheat, get it harvested, and then go back in with some beans, you know, which is, again, where you can do that and we get better and better at doing that. That can be a fairly profitable option for growers. But yeah, I think wheat will be up. You know, there was some concern uh, about, you know, again, nitrogen pricing um, as it relates to wheat. Top dress is critical. Uh, timeliness and top dress is pretty critical for wheat. But it's also the neat thing about wheat. Um, growers could kind of hedge themselves by putting some of the nitrogen on up front, planting the wheat. They'll go out and see how it looks. If it looks good, uh, then they'll, you know, they'll put more on. And if it doesn't, then they'll just you know, graze it off or, or cut their losses and, and let it go and, and plant something else in the spring. So uh, it's a neat crop for us. Yeah, it works well. We can grow it pretty well. And, and it's nice for the growers out here when there's good profitability. Usually it's soybeans that leads the economic decision to double crop, right? You have these two crops and you want to optimize or maximize the revenue, the profit for both of them. And it's usually soybeans who drives the primary economics. So if you think that you're going to have yield losses through the double crop on soybeans, you might step away from double cropping and really focus on good first crop beans. But now it's kind of unique where Wheat actually might be the leading the pack here. And so you're thinking like, well, I have a shot of raising a wheat crop. And if it doesn't work out, I could come back in and still have, you know, a soybean crop to help finish that up. So corn could have some competition out there from that, the double crop rotation. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, we, I, my understanding is double crop, there's a fairly limited window of the country that can really execute on double crop. As uh, we like to remind folks out here, what happens in corn, you know, the corn or beans or, or wheat in Kansas doesn't generally really sway the market one way or the other. <laughs> um, we can have a bang up year in corn, best stuff we've ever seen. And, and it doesn't even register on the on the meter to, you know, if, if things are going well in Iowa and Indiana. So I, I agree with you. Um, but at the same time, the market seems to be hyper focused on 250 or 500,000 acres of more yeah, or less true. of beans, right? And so the market can be hyper-focused on some of this stuff and yeah. we sometimes want to read more into the data than what we actually can. So, Well, well if we are on the margin there, like you and I have talked about that before. I mean, we are part of the area that may really switch uh, between one crop or the other. So yeah, we can, we can swing it a little bit there, but it'll be interesting to watch. It's always interesting and in whether it's grain or fertilizer, see what's going to happen tomorrow and where, where it takes us. All right, well, Troy, I appreciate your time and your expertise. I really think you helped break this down. Lots of good insights. I better let you go so you can keep getting more trucks from the plants to the growers. So thanks so much. You bet. Thank you, David.